0: Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Well, good morning. Welcome everyone online joining us. Everyone here, won't you please stand with me. As uh, I lead us in reciting the Apostles' Creed uh, together, this is our statement of faith and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, and the life everlasting, amen. You may be seated. Well, it's at this point in our service that we pause to take our tithes and our offerings here at Celebration Church. And uh, if you are here today and you're giving cash or check, uh, there is an offering envelope in the front, uh, the seat back from the seat in front of you. And you can take that and fill that out, put your check or cash in there. And then when you leave the service this morning, uh, the ushers will be there holding uh, the offering basket. And you can just drop that in as you leave. And then uh, otherwise, we're encouraging people to continue uh, giving online and utilizing that. You can go to celebrationchurch.tv forward slash give. And you can go on there and give and you can give to whatever campus you need to. Or if there's a special fund like missions, et cetera, you can choose all that on there. And then you can also set up uh, recurring giving. You know, So if you're someone that you know you give x amount every couple of weeks or x amount a month you can go and just set that up uh, in there if that works for you uh, which has been great uh, been working really well um, now I do want to thank all of you for continuing with your faithfulness and supporting uh, the ministry here at Celebration Church uh, we've got some uh, cool things going on you know if you were in our family meeting you may have heard about you know this idea of we really kind of get a sense that God is uh, moving and doing some stuff and we do have some Cool, exciting news, potential for us to uh, save a bunch of money here uh, at the church on some things, but I will let my father, Pastor Mark, he's gonna kind of talk about that more next week. Uh, But anyway, very grateful uh, in that and um, continue to be faithful. Now, this morning uh, is the third Sunday of Lent. And uh, last week, if you were here, um, I was in uh, the Gospel of Luke and I was talking about uh, a scenario where the Pharisees kinda had an interaction with Jesus and their response after that interaction was to get him away, <laughs> go away, uh, because they did not want to hear what he had to say. And I, you know, I, I warned us to make sure that we're not like that. You know, If the Holy Spirit begins to convict us or something, what is our response? It's our response is to stay away from that. We don't wanna hear it, we stay away from it. That's why we don't read our Bibles. That's why sometimes people stay away from church. You know, especially if they've been for a while that and they're not sure if lightning bolts are gonna hit them when they walk in, which has not happened. Uh, I've never seen that. But it usually what it is is they don't wanna hear what it is that they're doing wrong. Um, but I wanna continue on with that idea this morning. Um, it is the Lenten season, so this is the uh, time where we tend to focus on exciting subjects like sin and death and repentance. Yay! In fact, I almost after the first service, or as I could title this message, Sin, Death, Repentance, and Peeing Your Pants, which we'll get to, but uh, stay tuned. All right, now, uh, you know, this, this idea of, of repentance and being aware of the sin in our life, um, it, it can be something that's a little difficult, and, and a lot of times when we're confronted with some sin in our life or something we've done, um, there's a couple ways that we can respond to this, and... Uh, the two words I use to describe it are guilt or shame. And, and I looked this up in psychology wording, how they, they view these things. And what they said is that, that actually, guilt is something that can actually be very healthy. A healthy person should have some sense of guilt. Um, of course, if you have no guilt over anything you've done, you're a psychopath, right? We don't want to be psychopaths. Not looking for crazy people. You might be crazy, but don't be a psychopath. So, guilt is a good thing, but shame uh, can be destructive. You know, and not good. So, you know, a, a good example would be as if you're leaving the church this morning and you're pulling out and you're at a stop light, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, you didn't see it turn red and you almost go through a, a red light and all of a sudden your car zooms and passes and you. Whoa, you quick hit on your brakes. You have a response there. You're convicted of something you did wrong. Now the healthy guilt response is, oh my goodness, what did I do? Oh man, I need to pay more attention. What was I doing? I almost got myself into some serious trouble. I have to make sure I'm paying attention when I'm driving, right? That is a healthy response. You saw something that was wrong and you look, how can I change my life? What do I need to do to make this better? A shame response would be you go and you have that same experience, but then you just sit there and you break into tears of just, oh my goodness, I'm such an awful person. They should just take my license. I should never be allowed to drive. In fact, I should never be allowed to go anywhere ever again. That's a little intense. But that's what a shame response does. A shame response is when you make, you get this feeling of I'm no good. I'm awful. So if you feel that, that's not healthy. The responsibility is something, "Oh, I need to stop what I'm doing and start doing the right thing." That is a healthy response. Um, but we don't like that. That's not comfortable always to have those things pointed out in us. Um, you know, sometimes people, you know, like people who struggle with addictions, uh, things of that nature, they tend to surround themselves, their friendship, the people they interact with are also people who deal with those things, those same addictions because they're your little enablers, right? And you kind of get around and no one's telling you not to do that. You know, They just kind of laugh it off and what have you. So you go and you do those things. And we all want to be... Liked and don't like to hear those things. And as I was doing this, I, I had this image of uh, Michael Scott from The Office. Uh, I, I love that series. I'm constantly going through that series. I've watched it through many times. I'm now going through the Superfan episodes. Uh, it, is, it is a fan favorite as well in The Office, uh, here at the church office. Our staff are big office fans, uh, which, goodness, hopefully you don't think I'm Michael Scott. <laughs> it's just dawning on me now. Anyway, but, but for Christmas, so I don't know if, if, if you haven't seen The Office, you know, uh, that's something you need to repent from. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's a great show, but it's a, like a, a, a mockumentary, a fake documentary on just a normal office uh, situation. And um, they, they would do this thing in the office where uh, Michael Scott would throw on the Dundees. Remember that? Because the, the company was Dunder Mifflin, and they would have these Dundees. So what uh, the staff here does is for Christmas, they put on the Gungies. And we have our staff party and they have the Gungie Awards that they hand out. Uh, so I've won a few. I've won Best Hair before. Uh, I, uh, this year, I think I won Cutest Baby, uh, which I didn't see coming. I gotta be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't know I was in contention for that seeing as we have, I think, at least, what, two families who literally have little babies. I, I apologize, Rebecca. Uh, your daughter, you know, she's got to bring it. What can I say? <laughs> so, so we have the gunges. But what's funny is Michael Scott, he's this guy, he's so self-centered and narcissistic. And, uh, you know, as I was thinking, I read through this, I'm like, oh, goodness, I, I hope I'm not like that. You know, this self-centered person who just wants to hear how wonderful they are. And I got a couple of Michael Scott quotes here. I figured we'd get some office quotes in before we hit the scripture. Uh, <laughs> get this out of the way. But, uh, what they do in the show is Michael Scott, so he's the boss of this office, and they uh, do these little cutaways because it's a fake documentary, you know, like you're doing a documentary, and uh, they're interviewing, you know, and you don't hear the question, but you hear his response, and he has some hilarious responses that point to how uh, just completely clueless he is, how how blind he is to his narcissism here. So, for example, one time they sit him down, and it's they had asked him a question, and he responds. He says, "Do I need to be liked?" A- absolutely not. Uh, I like to be liked. I enjoy being liked. I mean, I have to be liked, but it, it's not like this compulsive need, like my need to be praised. <laughs> and it's great. I love it. Do I need to be liked? Absolutely not. I like to be liked. I enjoy being liked. I have to be liked, but it's not like this compulsive need, like my need to be praised. You know, Just completely clueless in his mind, you know, and he's like serious about it. Another time he said, they, they ask him a question, he responds, he said, oh, would I rather be feared or loved? Well, that's easy, both. <laughs> he says, I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. You know? <laughs> and, and it's so funny, but the reason it's funny is kind of because there's, like, we can kind of sort of relate to that, you know? We all love that. We, we do love this idea of being praised, and, but if, if we're careful, we just surround ourselves and people and put ourselves in situations where that's all we hear, how wonderful you are, We're well, great, everyone loves me, I'm doing great, right, because we have that need. But the truth is we need to allow room into our lives for the Holy Spirit to speak to us, for to point out things that we aren't doing right in our lives uh, so that we can come to a place of repentance so that we don't walk around just like little narcissistic people like Michael's. I just come clueless to the things and the errors in our way. And, and if, if you remember in the show, he's because he's a guy who's always doing things that are over the line, you know. And most of the, the staff just kind of goes along with it because they think it's hilarious or whatever. But there's one guy in on the staff who's always trying to tell him that what he's doing is wrong. Like Toby, and he can't stand Toby. And every he's just he's he, you know he just wishes he would go away and have some hilarious interactions. But I thought, oh my goodness, Lord, help me not to be like that. If there's people in my life who are speak it in, or you're trying to use something, a situation to speak to me that I don't just run away from that, that I allow you to speak to me and that I can live a life of repentance, have this repentant heart. And that's really the spirit of Lent. You know, Lent is a season we join in and I mean, it starts off, you know, with Ash Wednesday, which is all about, you know, you're gonna die, you know, from dust we came and dust we shall return. And it's the idea of keeping... That oh, our time here is finite to keep us focused on things that are eternal and not just always the struggles we have in our life. It's also a time to, you know, make room for God in your life so He can speak to you and help you grow and show things to you. Again, it's this idea of a healthy response to finding out things that aren't right in your life. You know, I spoke a few, uh, some Wednesdays ago about how it's we can use the season to act kind of like a mirror to 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 look in. You know, a mirror tells you what's right or what's wrong, or you know. Uh, I have something weird growing out of my head and my zipper open, you know, things that uh, are important, especially if you're gonna go and speak in front of people. You don't want this. Now, what it does is it's really pointing out what's wrong with me, right? It's pointing out what's wrong with me, what looks weird, and if I didn't want to hear it, I don't want to hear how I have a booger looking at my nose. Don't say that about me. Okay, dude, but guess what you still have? A booger sticking out of your nose, all right? So it's good to have that that time of of reflection. And so uh, this uh, verse in 1 John, there we go, we're trying to get into the scriptures. This kind of... Uh, for me really kind of sort of captures this idea in this spirit of Lent where it says in uh, 1 John chapter one in verse eight, it says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him, God, out to be a liar and his word is not in us. In chapter two, he continues to go on, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate uh, with the Father, someone that's acting on our behalf. And who is this? It's Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but for the sins of the world. So again, it's not fun to talk about sin. It's not fun to talk about the things we aren't doing right in our life. It's not fun to talk about where do I need to repent and what I need to change with, but it's an important part of this Christian walk. It's not, it doesn't make God love you anymore or any less, depending on what you do, but yet this is what we are called to do, all right? So as we jump into our main gospel text here in Luke, we're gonna see Jesus is confronted with the situation and how he responds into uh, leading these people and pointing them towards repentance in their own lives. So in Luke chapter 13, uh, starting in verse one, uh, Jesus is you know, kind of around people. He's been teaching and stuff and he has this group of people and they come up to him and, and, and they tell him something. They got some news for him and that's where we pick up. It says in uh, uh, verse one here. Now on the same occasion, there were some present who reported to him, uh, to Jesus, about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. In other words, there's something that awful that had happened uh, uh, to the Galileans and obviously Pilate was very cruel, some kind of violent death. I mean, there was blood mixed in with the blood of their sacrifices, all of this stuff. Now, the Bible doesn't go on to explain what this is. Um, I even poked around a little bit with some, because uh, there's some uh, historians, some Jewish historians who sometimes they'll get in and help you understand uh, people. Uh, a guy named Josephus, great name, by the way, if you're looking for a name for your kid. And then uh, Philo, uh, which was a nickname for me for a while. I can't remember if it was my dad or my uncle, but they used to call me Philo. And they're these historians, and they wrote about things. Now, the, now they didn't have anything specifically about this, but, but they do shed some light a little bit more on who Pilate was. Because, you know, he's, he's referenced in the Bible, but it, no one really goes on to really explain who this guy is. You know, we know him. He's in our creed, you know, <laughs> and not for a good reason. Um, so it's kind of understanding this. Now, he comes in as the governor. The, you know, the, the, the Jews here, they're, they're uh, uh, in the city. They've got Jerusalem, these other areas. This is all run by Rome. And so uh, they have governors that come in. So Pilate is the governor. He comes in and he comes in about 80, 26, uh, but he's not there very long. Uh, normally it's there, there for a while. Uh, it was 10 years, which is a fairly short term for him. And he gets removed because he's a complete failure. The guy is awful. Okay. He is not a great leader. And, um, you know, even think about the the image of him, he, at times he shows extreme violence when you, and then other times he's a total coward. That's the image I see You know, when he washes his hands of Jesus' death. you know, He won't make a decision. You guys want to kill him, fine, whatever, but I'm not guilty of this. That's just a coward move. Um, now, uh, reading through uh, some things and some things that Josephus wrote, you, you kind of get an understanding of who this guy is. So when, when he first comes in governor, he comes in and he brings in these uh, like they call them military ensigns. I looked into it. It kind of sounds like they're these big shields with like the the image of Caesar on them, and they'd place them up around the city. Now this was very offensive uh, to the Jews because this is a holy city, and you're desecrating their city with this image of Caesar. And they had an agreement, from what I understand from reading through the history, that this they this wouldn't happen. You know that Caesar would let them kind of have their their religious freedom and things of that nature. But uh, Pilate he doesn't care, so he puts this in so. The Jews, they're very offended. So they go in and they uh, appeal and they sort of protest and they do it for five days. You know, like you need to take these things down. This is our holy city, what are you doing? So on the sixth day, Pilate has had enough and he goes, if you guys don't leave, I'm gonna kill you all. And the response of everyone there was, then I guess you're going to kill us all. It says they knelt down, laid down and exposed their necks and said, okay, then kill me. And the writers say that this, you know, sort of... uh, Oh, shocked and impressed. <laughs> I guess pilot of their dedication. And he's like, holy oh, cow, they're really dedicated. And then he was also like, well, I don't want to start an even bigger riot. So he's like, fine, I'll take these things down. He takes them down. But then there's times too that show how violent he was. There was once where he stole money uh, from basically like from the church to build some aqueducts, you know? And I laughed, I said, well, okay, apparently uh, government's taking money that they don't have To do things is not a new concept, okay? Like, we did not invent that. That has been around for a while, all right? But here he's taking it from the church. Obviously, you can imagine they weren't excited about it. So once again, they're gonna go and they're gonna protest, but this time he has a different response. He's just an evil man. And so what he does is he takes his soldiers and he dresses them up in plain clothes and they've got clubs and they've got daggers and they get in with the crowd that's protesting. And as they're going, they're yelling, he gives some signal. And the soldiers now go and start beating and stabbing and trampling these people. He just, it's just a bloodbath. It was just awful. Just because the dude couldn't handle, <laughs> you know, people weren't happy with him. So like I said, he didn't last there long. The reason he probably lasted as long as he did, because this was before YouTube, okay? So something like this happened, and he could make up a story. You know, eventually, even Caesar, like, what did you do? You're awful, takes him out of there. But anyway, so you can see and understand how this is a violent man. And so while we don't know what happened here to these Galileans, it was something violent. We know that they were religious because it says that they, that they were uh, there and their blood was mixed with the blood of their sacrifice. So they had their sacrificial animals there. They're doing something. We don't know if they stumbled upon something, if they did something inadvertently, if Pilate was just having a bad day. We don't know, but they are violently killed. And so these crowds, they come to Jesus to tell him. Now you gotta remember, they're under this Roman occupation. And at the time, they think, well, the Messiah, the guy who's gonna come save us, he's gonna free us from this. But what's interesting is Jesus didn't come to save them from the Romans. He came to save us in our souls. And there's an eternal look that he has on things. And so when these people come to him and they expect Jesus to be upset, and he, he should be upset. They said it was Galileans. Jesus, that's where he, Jesus is from. In fact, he may have known some of these people who died. So like, can you believe this, what happened? And here's how Jesus responds. He says, do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? Because see, that was something that these people thought and they would obviously struggle with this or he wouldn't uh, address it. You know, I know sometimes we can sit there we see something that happens awful to someone and we can think, oh, I wonder if something's wrong with them. I wonder if they were sinners. I wonder if they did something. And you gotta remember that bad things don't just happen to bad people. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're doing something bad, it's likely you might get bad results, right? Sin does have consequences. But we gotta remember, we all still live in an evil world. You know, so sometimes just evil happens in good people's lives. So here they're wondering, well, maybe these people are just sinners. Jesus said, no, 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 no. They're not worse sinners. He says in verse three, he says, I tell you, because he asks his rhetorical questions, are they worse sinners? He says, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And they were probably like, so wait, if we don't repent, someone's gonna come and kill us? And then he goes on to use another example. He says, or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, that they were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? Again, another event we don't know anything about, but obviously a tower fell and killed 18 people. Must have been a pretty big tower. So, so do you think that happened because they were worse than, than others? He says, I tell you no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. See, the image he's painting here is it's not of the immediate, of the physical here. He's taking their minds and he's trying to show them that there's something bigger here. The real reason I'm here is to save your soul. And to help them to understand that they need to repent. And, and this is great. As he, as he points us to this during this season of Lent, I start thinking, we need to live a life of repentance, you know, again, not so that it can hit us and we can feel shameful, but it's because it helps us. We have the healthy response. It can help us. We can learn how to live a better life. We can be better Christians, better uh, people at work, better husbands and wives, better parents. All these things can happen if we live this life of repentance. It's not fun. We don't like it, but it helps us. Now, for whatever reason, when I was going through this, and I'm trying to think, like, I'm trying to think of like a practical example that I can help people understand this. The only thing that came to my head was peeing your pants. So Lord, use the pee pants here to minister. Now, I am assuming that everyone that's here does not struggle with constant peeing of your pants without some kind of medical condition, right? And the reason for that is because we have learned. Now, when we all came into the world and we were little babies, we're just loving life. And when we got the urge to purge, we just did it. <laughs> it just hit us and we just went, ah, it feels great. The urge hits us, ah, oh, it's so good. But because we have mom and dad there who are changing our diapers. As a father of four kids, I get it. You go through a lot of diapers, right parents? And it's like they always be, and somehow, like, I don't know. I mean, we've sent people to the moon. We have like sent something to Mars. But for some reason, we can't develop a diaper that a kid can't pee through. It is, it is like, it's, it's like, you know, humanity will always find a way. Like, we'll always just, you know, I don't know if that's part of evolution right there. We'll always find a way to pee through whatever diaper it is. Anyway. Now, as we grow up, point hits in our lives where our parents say, okay, you're growing up now. Now, guess what? You have to learn, we don't pee our pants. Why not? Well, it's not what we do, but I like to pee my It feels good to pee my pants. I just feel it and then I go, ah. Which is kind of like sin, right? Sin, much like peeing your pants, feels good at first. (laughs) Then you're left with something you don't like the results from. Now, when you're training your kids how to stop going pee in their pants, you're starting to teach them how to respond to that urge. right? Because they have this urge and when the urge to purge comes, they just go. They don't stop and think, well, what should I do with this urge? And you try to teach them. You go to the toilet. That's what we do. And they struggle with this, right? Now, some kids get it right away. My oldest was great. He figured it out right away, but it's mostly because uh, he wanted to be like Tarzan, and Tarzan, in his mind, wore underwear. So if I want to wear underwear like Tarzan, then I have to stop going, whatever works, the dude figured it out on his own. I was like, this is pretty easy. And then we had three more. They weren't so compliant, Right, they didn't understand, like, but I don't want to. You know, <laughs> just the whole process up. But then they start to learn. Now, it was when they had an accident or something, we didn't make them feel bad. Oh, look at you, Mr. Pee Pants. <laughs> it was like, at least I hope you're not doing that. But it was to show them, oh, no, no, okay, we had an accident. That's not how we respond. Oh, really? Yeah, you're supposed to respond this way. This is how we respond. See, the same thing in your life is what happens when you allow the Holy Spirit to come in and convict you of things and show you things you aren't doing right and, and, and so you, you can have a heart for repentance. And if you're just like, well, I don't want to hear this, I don't want to hear this, then you just go around peeing your pants all the time. Not physically, but in areas. you go into to work, you're just a jerk to everyone. <laughs> you peeing your pants. <laughs> you know, some conflict with your spouse. And you, and you know, because you know, when you're married, it's like that's the closest relationship you have. So you know all the evil things about each other. And sure, we're supposed to forget those, but it's so nice to poke at them and scratch at those scabs. Or there'd be a line that you know you shouldn't cross, but then you get ticked and you cross that line. You get in a fight and you're like, hmm, you sound an awful lot like your mother. (laughs) Don't be doing that, Mr. P-Pants. Sometimes with your kids, you know, they can... They can drive you a little crazy. I get it, you know. And what is it, in Ephesians, where it, it, it says, you know, fathers do not provoke your children to anger. I sit there and think someone misunderstood the translation. I don't think they got this right. <laughs> Me not to provoke my kids to anger? What happened to the kids who provoke your parents to anger? <laughs> no, no, no. It's on us. So when they drive you crazy, you're just yelling at your kids all the time. Don't be doing that, Mister Pee you, 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 you allow repentance to come in and you allow God to speak to you so you can learn those things. Oh, this isn't how I'm supposed to act. I'm sorry. And just like the cart situation, okay, this isn't what I'm supposed to do. I need to change it. And there might be certain areas of your life that are real easy. And you're like, okay, yeah, I can get that. There might be other times where you're like that child who just, you're convinced, right? Because as a parent, when you're in it, it seems like eternity, Right? And you think, I don't know if this kid's ever going to not pee their pants, right? You just start thinking like, this is gonna be it. We're just gonna, it's graduation day and he's gonna be going down just with wet pants because, well, yeah, we could never get him to get it. (laughs) It would, my wife would get so depressed. I don't know what's going on. I said, listen, take comfort in knowing they will not be 18 years old and still peeing their pants, okay? They will get this. It's just, they're having a tough time with it. The same thing as us when we're confronted with our sin. We don't wanna hear that. We don't wanna see the parts of our lives that aren't good. Because we like it, we're happy with it. A lot of us like the way that we are. We love to be feared with love. We love that people. We want people to love us so much that they're afraid of how much they love us. We can become like little Michael Scotts. So we don't want to hear about those things that we do wrong. But if we don't do that, we just go around sinning. Like I said, for whatever reason, for me that was the pee pants thing. It's ministering to me. I thought, man, I need. I want to learn those things. God, speak to me. Show me those things in this time of Lent as I take time out to let you in, to, to, to speak to me, show me those things in my life that are, oh, I'm, I'm kind of grouchy here, I don't respond always the best in this scenario, or I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this, and I, I don't want to be like that, and it's, it's a little tough, because I kind of like it, you know, it's fun to yell at those people as they're driving and cut me off, I just, like, just want to speak in tongues to them in a way, you know, just of like, what are you thinking? Stop, feel no. You feel the urge. You don't have to pee your pants here. Okay, hang on to it. How am I supposed to react? What's the appropriate way to do it? I need a sermon out of pee in your pants. Hopefully that makes sense. But as we transition into our time of communion, we're gonna take a moment now, as we take every Sunday, to look inward and to have a time of Repentance. You know, we should pray, and and, and listen, you shouldn't be just doing it on Sunday. This is something that should be daily, that we should be asking, God, please show me what I've done, what I've messed up with, how I can get better. Surround yourself with people in your life who will be honest with you, and say, hey, man, like, you sounded kind of mean there. you sure you should be responding that way? Whoa. Okay. If you're struggling with something, addictions or something, well, get out of the situation you're in, hang with the people you're in, find new people. You have to change something. Repentance calls us to change. Okay? It requires work and focus. So as we move into this, we hit this time of repentance, allow God to speak in and just, just ask him, what are those things point out to me? And even today, if 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 you're here and, and you say, you know, I don't I don't even know I really call myself a follower of Christ. And I feel just convicted. Man, the way I'm living, and I'm not living for Him. And I don't want to do that anymore. And you have that eternal thought of if, yeah, I don't. If a sudden tragedy were to happen to me, do I know for sure where I'm going? Do I know for sure that I'm saved, that I've repented? And you might be thinking, I don't know if I have. Well, then we'll take a moment here, and as we pray, just in your own words, just ask God, God, forgive me of how I've been living. Forgive me of the sin that I've done, and help me to follow You. All right, all right. amen, let's bow bow our heads and pray. Can't say amen before I pray, I'm supposed to say amen after I pray. I can say amen wherever I want, I think. Okay, now, as we always do before we take communion, in view of the scripture that tells us we ought to examine ourselves, let us pray. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves if we have sinned against you in thought, word, or deed, by what we have done or by what we have left undone, if we have not loved you with our whole heart, if we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, have mercy on us, forgive us of all our sins, strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.